good to worship with you and um, just enjoy the beautiful fall air. It is crazy that it's October. Um, so we're going to be, surprise, surprise, we're in Ephesians again. Um, but this morning we're going to take a step back from what David has taught us the past three weeks. So here's how I want you to think about this. If Paul's letter to the Ephesians was a great big mural, okay, every week when David walks us word by word and line through line, it's as if we're stepping in really, really close to the picture and we're like getting the details, right? But sometimes when that happens, sometimes when we focus so much on those details, we miss the beauty of the picture as a whole, right? And so that's why we are establishing this rhythm of leaning in and then stepping back out again so that we don't miss a detail, but we never forget how it all fits together. So this morning, we're going to be looking at those 15 verses that we've hit the past three weeks. But before I read any of them, I want to remind you that the immediate context framing our understanding of these verses is that Paul is exhorting us to imitate God by living a life of love. And more specifically, it's a life of love that was patterned after, is to be patterned after the life of Jesus. What a gift it is that we have a tangible example to follow in Christ himself. He made a life of love possible for us. And now all that is ours to do is gratefully respond and faith and obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's remind ourselves of what Paul writes in verses 7 through 14. Therefore, do not become partners with them. And he's talking about the sons of disobedience from the previous verse. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So again, we're not going to be going through every single line this morning. David did that on September 10th. You can go find that sermon via our website on YouTube. But the thrust of what Paul is saying here is that when we are born again into a new life in Christ, everything changes. And we head in an entirely different direction. We used to be walking in darkness, right? Dipping our spoons into that foul pot of nastiness. But now we are walking as children of light. We used to be heading to eternal destruction, but now we're on a path to holiness in the kingdom of God. We can no longer participate in the kinds of things that define what the sons of disobedience do on that wide path. Have you ever noticed that that sometimes the things that are most obvious in life are the things that we don't ever really stop to think about? So case in point, did you ever think about the fact that you can only ever walk in one direction at once, right? I don't care how smart you are, how athletic you are, how talented, rich, or powerful powerful you are. If you're walking in this direction, you simply cannot be walking in that one. So here's the thing, church. It's usually not in the in-your-face, outrageously huge moments that we've got to choose which direction that we're going to walk. It's the day-to-day decisions that are coming at us all the time. You, you, for example, it happens at school when another student maybe pressures you to cheat 
You used to do that. But now you're following Christ, and you can't partner with that anymore. But in the moment when a friendship is potentially on the line, you're tempted to be deceived that helping your friend is a good thing, right? You're tempted to participate in the darkness again. But you no longer do that. You're a child of light. You're walking in a different direction now. And you must instead choose to say no to ungodliness so that you can walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, participating in your sanctification, progressing down that path to holiness. It happens at work. When one of your coworkers has figured out a fireproof way to skim some money off the top and he offers you a piece of the pie. Nobody's ever going to know. You could save money for your kid's college, and that's a good thing, right? You could buy a nicer house, and I mean, it's right and good to provide for your family that way. But as a child of light, you can't take part in the unfruitful works of darkness anymore. You're walking in an entirely different direction now. You cannot go both ways. Maybe it happens when you're just sitting over a cup of coffee with a friend. She starts complaining about her husband. She is utterly miserable in her marriage. It's not what she signed up for. And I mean, shoot, you can kind of identify. So you start complaining about yours too because you don't want her to feel alone. But before you know it, your heart and your head are a million miles away from the covenant You made before God and a whole bunch of friends and family to love and honor and cherish that person you chose to marry till death do you part. As children of light, we are called to imitate God and walk in love as Jesus did. And we can't participate then in that kind of conversation anymore. We've got to guard our hearts. We need to take captive our thoughts and speak only what is helpful for building other people up according to their needs. That's what pleases God. That's what it looks like to be walking on a path to holiness. So David mentioned this when he preached through these verses three weeks ago, but it bears repeating. Paul is not telling us to completely disengage from the world here, right? He knows that we cannot help but go to work, uh, go to the ball field, right? Go grocery shopping, work out at the gym. Our calling and our privilege as people who have been rescued from darkness is that we can now bring light into it. We can stand out against it, exposing it for what it is, never in a condemning or judgmental way. We're to walk in love, reflecting Christ's love to all of those around us. That's just one of the ways that God calls people living in darkness to himself. When they see the evidence or the good fruit of God's transforming work in us. But a a word of caution, I believe, is also in order. There may be times when it would be wise for you to distance yourself from someone or from a group of people who you know are simply not good for your own sanctification and holiness, right? They're making unwise and foolish decisions. An example might be like the one that Paul is going to use in a few verses, Perhaps you used to get drunk more than you care to admit, but you're a Christ follower now. Your friends you're, you're hanging out with are still okay with living that kind of life, but, but you're walking in a different direction now. You can't do that anymore. You can't go both ways. 
you probably need to find some new friends. Let's keep going. Paul continues, verses 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I just don't understand why this concept is so obvious and so readily embraced in the world, but seemingly disregarded in the church. If someone wants to be a doctor or a lawyer or a, a finance guru, right, they, they understand that there are certain things they've got to do, certain paths they have to walk. Right? They pay sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars to get educated. They study, they practice, they watch, they learn. They want to understand all they need to so that they can walk and live and be good at what they do. The same goes for a musician or an athlete worth his salt, right? The expectation is that you show up, you put in the time, you put in the sweat. It's hard work. There are things you might really want to do, but you know they're not good for you. They're not wise, so you don't do them. You don't participate. But you get yourself a coach or a teacher or a mentor who knows what he or she is talking about, and you do what they tell you to do day after day after day because that's what it means to be a good athlete or musician or whatever. You can pick any profession, anything you want to be good at. And all of that stuff, it's just temporary. This is eternal life we're talking about. Right? There is no greater purpose to which we can give ourselves. There's no greater calling than to be disciples and to imitate God. And yet most of us seem to be half-hearted at best. Most of us act like walking with Christ is just an add-on. We'll get to it when it's convenient for us, if it doesn't cost us too much. We invest in studying God's Word to understand His will when we have the time, we maybe crack our Bibles open a few times a week to read a verse or two. And corporate worship, I mean, a couple Sundays a month, maybe. But I'm telling you, we got practices and games to get to, y'all. We've got vacations and, and more practices and, and more and more and more games. What are we doing? It's just, it's foolishness. Seriously misplaced priorities. We are willing to go to such outrageous lengths for such lesser things as sports and hobbies, even work to a degree. You understand what I'm saying? But why? Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy. Train yourself for godliness. For physical fitness has some value, but spiritual fitness, it has value in all things having benefit in this life and in the one to come. It won't be long until we get to probably one of the most famous passages in Scripture, at least in the book of Ephesians, when Paul talks about the armor of God. He's not talking about armor because life as a Christ follower is a cakewalk. It is an all-out war, within and without. We have got sin in us that if we're not careful to throw off every single day, It'll entangle us and it'll cause us to trip up more quickly than you can even imagine. And the days are evil. That's what Paul wrote. There's so much brokenness 
and darkness out in the world, we are bound to find ourselves on the receiving end of things and people constantly coming against us, threatening to derail and discourage us at every turn. We have got to be careful day in and day out. We need wisdom. We have got to understand what God's will is, and you won't find wisdom or God's will outside of Christ and his word. By grace and through faith in him, we have access to all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, full assurance of understanding. But that's just it. We have to access it. These are commands, and they are to us. It is our responsibility to watch how we walk, to make the best use of our time, to not be foolish, to understand what God's will is. This isn't going to happen by accident. Nobody becomes a doctor or a great athlete or a crazy skilled musician by accident. They do whatever they have to do to become who and what they want to be. The question for us this morning, church, is are we willing to do whatever we have to do, whatever it takes, to be fully devoted followers, fully devoted to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Nobody else can do it for you. Nobody else will do it for you. It's not going to happen by wishful thinking. It's not going to happen by accident. This is a decision that every single one of us must make. Every morning our eyes pop open and we have been given the gift of another day. How are we going to use it? Are we going to allow ourselves to be governed by seeking our own glory, satisfying our own desires, chasing after elusive happiness in the here and now? Or are we going to walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, seeking truth and holiness with our eyes on eternity, eternity, taking advantage of every opportunity along the way to share the hope and the love of Christ, fulfilling our commission for God's glory alone? Okay, let's go to the last few verses. Verses 18 through 21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Can we just take a second to marvel at the fact that we, broken human vessels that we are, can actually be filled with the Spirit of the living God? Would you expect any other slide from me at this point, right? It is mind-blowing. It is incredible. And it is true. But folks, it's on us to do what is ours to do as we respond to God, what He has done so that we can be filled with the Spirit. So often in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is likened to or pictured with the imagery of the wind. In Hebrew, the word ruach uh, and the corresponding Greek word pneuma, they can mean wind or breath or spirit. And both words are commonly used in passages referring to the Holy Spirit. And all of this reminded me of a sailboat. So I've only ever been on one once, and it was years ago, and, and I, wasn't, I was just sitting in it. But no doubt about it, there are certainly skills that make a difference in one's experience on a sailboat, right? No matter how knowledgeable or determined a sailor might be, 
He needs something else over which he has zero control. What is it? Wind. He needs the wind. But even if there's wind, if you've not drawn your sails, you're not going anywhere. You could even capsize if you're not careful. For you to move and for you to move in the right direction, your sails have got to be filled with the wind. And so you have to draw them every single time you go out, right? And that's a perfect metaphor for when Paul commands us to not get drunk on wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. No matter how much we want to be, if we aren't doing what he tells us, in other words, if we aren't drawing our sails, it is never going to happen. So we do three things to draw our sails in order to catch the wind or to be filled with the Spirit. And the first thing is that we praise. We gather often, just like we're doing this morning, and we sing. We lifted our hearts and our voices to God. We do it at home, in the car, in the shower, great acoustics, on a walk, right? Put on Spotify and begin your day with praise to the one who made you and gave you life. I know that there may be some people in here who are like, nah, I don't know, music just isn't my thing. And that's okay. I still think you should sing anyway. I, that's what Paul tells us to do. I'm just saying. But for those of you who uh, haven't been actually in the Adore and Praise pillar yet, when, when you train up in that one, you're going to learn that there are tons of ways to praise, to lift our hearts, to lift our voices to God. Um, the book of Psalms, uh, it's, it's actually, it was Israel's songbook, right? What if you memorized one of them? Psalm 8 is a great example. Only nine verses, you can do that, right? But maybe then you can use that when you don't have words that quite capture it. You can say one of the songs that the Israelites would have said in their praise, right? But you've got to be intentional. You have to make an effort. You have to make time every day to lift your hearts and voices to God in praise. For me, I always try to do it before I sit down to spend time with God because it just helps me focus and helps my heart and my mind get in the place where I'm ready to receive what he has for me in his word. Second, we give thanks all the time in all things because we are loved by God. So if you have been called according to God's purpose, then we can know that we know that we know that not one single thing in our lives will be wasted. He will use it all for our good and his glory as we trust him. So of course we can give thanks in all things all the time when we know that that's what God is up to in our lives always. This has been transformative for me. When I'm struggling with something or a person or a circumstance, by God's grace, I have learned more and more to turn to thanksgiving, genuine thanksgiving. I thank God for what he's going to teach me, right? I thank him that he is going to be with me every one of those moments. I thank him that he is revealing and will reveal more and more of himself to me as I walk through whatever it is. I find anything and everything that I can to thank him about. Because let's be honest, it is easy to thank God when everything's going our way, right? But when we choose to be thankful always and in everything, that's when we are filled with his spirit and our hearts are truly transformed and we are empowered to walk through whatever we're facing in a way that reflects Christ's love and light. For those of you in the grateful pillar right now, I really encourage you to think long and hard about this and that way to be thankful. Again, it's really easy to thank God for all the good stuff, right? How do we learn and, and choose to be thankful 
and the things that aren't so easy. I encourage you to do that this, this month as you walk out your grateful training. And third, we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I love the, that the motivation Paul gives us here is our reverence for Christ. Because if you're anything like me, more often than not, you're not going to feel like submitting to the people around you. But we're not doing it for them. We are doing it for Christ. For Jesus' sake, we willingly choose a spirit of humility. Following his example, we consider other people's needs more important than our own. We choose to love them as Christ has first loved us. And when we do that, when we do all of those things, God fills us with his spirit. I don't know about you, but I am desperate to be filled with God's spirit every single day. I can't do this life that he calls me to on my own. And so every day I want to do what is mine to do, right? I want to draw my sails so that I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want us to do that together, church. Can you imagine when we do? Together we'll be empowered to understand and carry out his will to walk in love and to progress in holiness for God's glory alone. So the rest of Ephesians, from here on out, the behaviors and the relationships that Paul's talk, talk, going to talk about, <coughs> excuse me, they're all dependent on this. This is spirit-filled living. And if you hear nothing else this morning, church, write this down. It is possible to live a Christian life without living a spirit-filled life. Did you hear that? You can live a Christian life without living a spirit-filled life, but why would you ever want to do that? But too many of us are, and we're wondering why we aren't growing. We get, we get so frustrated because the Bible seems lifeless to us. We, we, get, we don't understand why church is so boring. It's because we're not obeying Paul's command to us and doing what is ours to do day in and day out to be filled with the living spirit of God. This is critical for our growth church, personally and corporately. If we are serious about wanting to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, it is not gonna happen by accident. We've gotta give ourselves to putting in the time and effort, getting into God's word, giving thanks, offering up praise, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We've gotta train up in pillars so that we're equipped and ready to take advantage of all the opportunities we have every single day to live and speak and celebrate the gospel. We've got to draw our sails in order to catch his spirit and be filled with him all day long, every day. For God's glory alone. Let's go, four mile. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are so infinitely good that you would graciously give us eternal life through faith in Christ and then give us your spirit to dwell in us and walk us down that path of holiness day by day by day, filling us as we obey you. God, it is incredible. We are fools not to embrace all that you've done and all that you give us every single day. So truly, Lord, this, this morning we thank you. We praise you. We ask that you would fill us up to overflowing again and again and again. And we ask that you would do it all for your glory alone. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.